Well, this morning, um, I'm, of course, again, very honored and excited to be with you. And, uh, you know, just some things are kind of changing inside of me in regards to just something was stirring up this week, as I'm probably sure a lot of things stirred up in you. And, uh, and I'm not here to, you know, rah, rah, and I'm here actually to give you a word that the Lord gave me. And uh, I just want to bring it to your attention, and I want to just share it with you, because the Lord had to bring some correction to me. And uh, you okay with that? So what I want to just share with you, this is the word that the Lord gave, gave me. He just says, remind the troops to stay in victory. That's just the word that he gave me, and so, of course, the Lord had to kind of break that down. Okay, Lord, that sounds good. What does that mean? And so I want to just take you on a little bit of a journey that I've been on this past week as I'm dealing with myself and dealing with everything that's going on. Let's get into that. So, Father, we just come before your word this morning. Lord, we come with great expectation that your word is alive. It's active. You are watching over it to perform it in our lives. Father, we thank you that you gave us the mighty Holy Spirit who's in us. And inside of us, he is leading us and guiding us into all truth. He's showing us things to come, and he's taking everything from you, Jesus, and he's revealing it to us. So, Holy Spirit, we look to you this morning with great expectation. We look to you this morning knowing that you came and you're full of love, full of grace, and full of truth. And we just love your presence in us. We love your presence around us. And we thank you for bringing understanding and clarity in Jesus' mighty name as we live in these days. And we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I'm just going to just right off the bat, you know, the devil is scared. The devil is mad. Just right off the bat, we might as well let him know he is angry, he's upset, he's ticked off, but also he's, he's scared. And I'm going to, Revelation 12, 12, I want to just put this verse on the screen for you just to see it. And I'm kind of taking it out of context a little because, again, if you read Revelation 12, this is talking about the dragon, talking about there is a woman that's giving birth, and it's, there's just a lot in Revelation 12. But I'm just taking this little piece of the, of the last of this verse here just to emphasize because I truly believe not only does he know his time is short, in this, in this case, Revelation 12, but also that the rapture of the church is taking place soon too. There's a time for us to be going. There's a time for us to go. But we also have to be aware of how our enemy works, right? He's very good not to give him any glory, to give him any credit. But we have to be aware. He's been around for a very long time. He knows how human beings are. He knows what makes us, you know, edgy. He knows how to tick us off. He knows how to get under our skin. He's very good at it because he's been doing it, well, since creation, over 6,000 years. But anyways, the last part of this verse, I just want you to read. Or it just says, rejoice, you heavens, and bring in every heavy, heavenly being. And the reason why they're rejoicing is because at this time, the dragon is kicked out of heaven, the heavens, and he's now brought to the earth. But then he says, but woe to the earth and to the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great fury. So he's ticked off, and thank God the church is not here. That's, that's good news, y'all. That's good news. He's ticked off, and now notice this, because he knows his time is short. And I believe this too. He knows his time is short here on this earth, even while we're, while we're on this earth, the church. The church's time is short. And so what does he want to do? Pressure. Pressure, pressure, pressure. How does the enemy work? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible tells us this, that Satan does not outsmart us because we don't want to be, or we are familiar with his schemes. We have to understand again, church, army, the troop, the army of the living God, how does our en enemy operate? Pressure, pressure, pressure. Because he knows pressure a lot of time works on people. So now, for you and I, what is this pressure? It's pressure to get you and I to look at government as the problem or other people to be the problem. 
Do you see all the division and the dissension that's taking place? This is what the pressure is. You're vaxxed, I'm not. <laughs> division. You're masked, I'm not. <laughs> division. And so the temptation or the pressure that's on there is to look at somebody else who maybe have a different thought than you and look at them and go, something wrong with you. The pressure is there to divide. It's all over. It's in families. It's in businesses. And sadly, it's even in churches. Not here. What we truly believe here is you have freedom of choice. You could come in a hazmat suit. By all means, come in one. We encourage you, get here in one. Do whatever. Please do it. Right? You have a choice. But this is the thing. We will not have division, and we're not going. If people have the vaccine, guess what? Great. If people don't have it, great. It doesn't matter to us because, again, we're not going to get our eyes fixed on natural things. We can't afford it, church. Why? Because what happens, we just buy into what the enemy's trying to do. And that pressure, again, let me just throw this in here. The pressure, the enemy's goal in this pressure is to get you to snap. That's the whole goal in this. So let me just remind you again of this scripture. This morning, basically, is just a reminder session. I'm not giving you anything new, but things that you already do know. So Ephesians 6, 12, look at this verse here again in the Passion Bible. It says, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. Right? We know this. We have to really understand this. Because as long as I get into a hand-in-hand combat with another human being that has flesh and blood, I'm going to miss the fight and I will lose every single time. That's not my battle. The government's not my problem. People that have different opinions are not my problem. Come on, y'all. Are we good? My hand-to-hand combat is not with flesh and blood or human beings, but we do have a hand-to-hand combat. We do have a fight. Where is our fight? Our fight is with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. So even if you would just kind of look at it this way, it's, it's a bondage that's over top of this whole world. For, forget your, no, don't think of your political opinions here for a moment. This entire world that doesn't know Jesus is held in bondage underneath these demon principalities. That's what it is. And thank God we know we've been rescued from it. So what is our job? Is to help reconcile God to man. That's our message. The message of still reconciliation. For the church, it never changes. Our job here is to reach the lost so that when they hear the good news of the gospel, the eyes get opened up. They hear the good news of what Jesus has done for them, and now they embrace the gospel. That's what this whole thing is all about. Amen? Right? Okay, that's still the message. That's That's still the focus here. So again, so what is the pressure? The pressure is there to divide. But now, what again, what is the enemy's ultimate goal to applying this pressure? Is to get it in you, to get the pressure in. Remember this whole last couple of weeks, we've talked about what's going on on the inside, what's getting place on the inside. Don't let the pressure in. Don't allow it in. Why? Because the whole reason is, is to snap. Wants us to snap and to get us to leave now the place of victory the place of authority that Jesus came and purchased for us, right? Now, I want you just to look at this picture on the screen. <clears throat> Can you guys see that on there? All right, do you all see that? All right, I want to just share a little segment. This is from uh, a gentleman who passed away a long time ago, but he gave this illustration, and this is something, a picture the Lord gave me and just helped me just to realize, again, our battle is not with flesh and blood. So as you look at this picture, you see obviously an eagle It's fighting a snake. Now listen to this. An eagle does not fight the snake on the ground. It picks it up into the sky and changes the battleground, and then it releases the snake into the sky. The snake has no stamina, 
No power and no balance in the air. It is useless, weak, and vulnerable, unlike on the ground where it is powerful, wise, and deadly. Take your fight into the spiritual realm by praying. When you are in the spiritual realm, God takes over the battle. Don't fight the enemy in his comfort zone. Change the battlegrounds like the eagle and let God take charge through your earnest prayer. You'll be assured of victory. So what's the whole point in all this? I want you just to see that is we're not fighting a natural battle. Not to get all caught up in the natural things that are taking place in this because ultimately it doesn't matter. Can we say that together? It doesn't matter. So where do we do? Where do we fight? Ephesians 2.6 tells us that God has raised us up together with Christ. And what did he do? He seated us together with him in heavenly places. That position right there, this is not just a nice little doctrine or a nice verse to make you feel good. This is reality. But if I don't clock in or stay connected to my seat of authority, if I leave it and start fighting a natural battle, the snake will whip me every single time. Why? He's craftier than I am. He's sneaky. He's deadly when I play on his ground. But if I go up to the seat where God has now given me the authority, what's the difference? Now I pray from that place. I think from that place. I worship from that place. I talk to Canada from that place. It's a whole different level because, again, what God did for us in Christ Jesus, we're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from it. It's a different perspective. So we fight from victory. We're not fighting to get it. You and I, listen, they're, they're talking. They're doing things out there. The bottom line is we win. What's the devil doing? Putting the pressure on to get you and I out of our authority, out from our position of power and and. and authority that he came and purchased us so that we now fight a natural battle and cause me to lose. Church, we cannot afford it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Why? Because my fight ain't here. Now, of course, it's not saying we have a part. We have rights as citizens. There's things that we do. I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is we have to elevate our eyes, elevate our thinking, and go from the highest possible thought that there is. Do you see that? Now, what now is the proper response to pressure? There's just three things I want to share this morning, three things on the proper response to pressure. And I want you to turn here to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This is, again, now the Holy Spirit is talking to us as his church. Man, the Lord had to really imprint this on me because this week, I'll tell you, there's a lot of emotions running through me. <laughs> Happy, sad, angry fighty, angry, crying, laughter. It's just a big, snotty mess. And I'm going, God, what's going on? And the Lord had to just bring back some of the realities. This isn't new. This is He's not going, holy crap, what's going on out here? He understands it all. He knows it all. He sees the end from the beginning. He knew it was coming. And so you and I were put on here well-equipped for the task. So again, to all of a sudden let the pressure in and just snap. Listen, I felt that over this past little while. I felt that. Just on the inside, forget this whole thing. I felt it. I know what you're experiencing. I get it. So the Lord had to just encourage me. Now, what's the response? First of all, don't let it in. I can't afford to let it in. And now, what do I, how do I respond to everything? I want you just to see some of these things here. Number one is this. You need to be aware. You have to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely what? Fierce. It'll be dark, and it's only getting darker and crazier and nuttier and insaner. (laughs) It's stupid out there. It's crazy. But he says you have to be aware of that. 
Don't let it throw you off guard. Know that this is it. This is what the Holy Ghost told us 2,000 years ago. Hey, it's coming. It's going to get nuts down there. Why is it going to be crazy? Look at verse 2. Because people will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. You can see that in the culture again. We're not judging or putting condemnation on it. Again, the reason why is because you cannot reach a culture that you hate. I don't hate the culture. I, man, my heart goes out to them. we got to reach them with the gospel. But this is just the reality of what we're seeing. Why? Because, again, Ephesians 6.12 explains to us that the whole world is under bondage from the wicked one. They're stuck. They're in the slave trade. They're trying to just fight for rank in the slave trade. That's all that it is. This whole redemption thing that we're part of, you and I, Jesus opened the door from the inside to get us out. And now all you see is people are stuck in this slave trade, and the only way out is through accepting Jesus Christ. That's the message. Other than that, they're just fighting for rank in it. It's, it's ludicrous. But when you actually start to see what God's trying to do, trying to get the message out, get the message out, get the message out, that's the whole heart behind it. That's what redemption is all about, is we're free. Now... Again, why is it going to be extremely fierce? Is because they'll become self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride. And notice, and they'll mock all that is right. Do you see that? Yeah, you see that. They will ignore their own families. <laughs> you see that? Yeah. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. Verse 3, continue on. He's telling, explaining why it's going to be so fierce in these final days. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent, haters of what is good and what is right. Do we see that? Yeah. So he's saying, don't be surprised by this. Don't let this shake you. Don't go, what is going on? We know. We have to know this. Verse 4, he says, with brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. Verse 5, they will pretend, they may pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. So what do we do? Stay away from them. As they don't reach them, reach them, but stay away from them. I don't hang around with that. Stay away. So now if we know all of this, I mean, you continue reading on this, there's some powerful verses of scripture in this. What do we do now? This is the reality. This is what's taking place. The culture in these final days is getting darker and darker. It's getting more gruesome. What do I do? Right? Christians, what do we do? This is what, again, the Holy Spirit told us. Verse 13. Look at this verse. 2 Timothy 3.13. It says, evil men and sorcerers. That word sorcerer just simply means a deceived one. Evil men and de deceivers will progress from what? Bad to what? Worse. Again, what is he telling us? Know this. Know this. Don't let this shock you. They're going to go from what? From bad? And where are they going? To worse. What are they going to be doing? They are deceived. And what are they going to do? Deceiving. Leading people where? Further away from the truth. That's the whole point in this. So now what? This sounds like a, yeah, I'm glad I went to church today. Sounds exciting. What do we do? Verse 14. Yet you. Come on, say it with me. Yet me. No, come on, say it like you mean it. Yet me. I know this culture is nuts, yet I, this is what I'm going to do. I must continue to do what? To advance in strength. How do I advance with strength? With what? With truth wrapped around my heart. 
That's how I'm going to continue going forward. The darker and darker it goes, what do I do? I put more and more truth wrapping around my heart. I get it access. I get it on the inside. It doesn't say I get the political opinions wrapped around my heart. It doesn't say I get all the, what the medical people say wrapped around my heart. I get the truth of the word of God, and I wrap that thing around my heart again and again and again. What, what kind of truth? The things that you were taught, the things that you know, faith, Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, your position of authority, who you are in Christ Jesus. Keep hearing it. Keep putting it in. Keep putting it in. Why? Because the truth that you know will set you free. The government doesn't set me free. Other businesses, people don't set me free. What sets me free? Truth. Truth sets us free. So again, church, what's our battle? What do, how do we respond to pressure? I put this truth of the word of God and I wrap my heart all over this thing. I get it inward, I get it on me, I get it in me, so it comes out of me. The truth, the truth, the truth. Number one, how do we respond to the pressure? Is I get the truth. I keep wrapping it around. The pressure is going to come. The last thing that I want to do sometimes is read my Bible. Do it anyway. It's not a time to be distant from my Bible. Jesus said this in John 15, 7. He also said, if you remain in me and my what? My words remain in you. Ask what you will, and it will be done. This is still reality. This is still the truth. Do you see that? If I put the word of God inside of me, and I allow his word to absolutely nourish my heart, I start speaking, and guess who starts responding? The heaven, my heavenly Father himself moves on my behalf because of the word. So again, the emphasis is what? The word, the word, the word. But so-and-so, no, 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 the word, the word, the word. Oh, but they're vaxxed. The word, the word. They're not vaxxed. The word, the word. Come on, y'all. What's the answer? The word, the word. This is what we stick through. This is what we hold on to. Because we can sing all these pretty songs and look for the emotional, oh, pick me up. But unless we have the word living, I'm going to see a victory. No, you ain't. If there's no word, if I'm not living in this word and it's living in me, you ain't seeing nothing but what's happening out there. And that is the whole intention of what we're seeing out there is trying to get in. Have we not talked about it over this month? Every word, everything we see, it's go, the, the target is not just to go in one, out the other. It's to find its place in a heart. So it's really, it's a battle of hearts that's going on. And we've got to make sure I'm not going to cave to the pressure. What do I do? I'm going to respond now by advancing forward with truth around my heart. Okay. Secondly now is this. Don't let the pressure in, but instead, I'm actually going to put the pressure on the word. <laughs> Rather than allowing the pressure to get in, I now put the pressure where? On the word. You and I really suck. Mankind blow with pressure. We don't know what to do. When pressure comes, lots of things happen. Stupid decisions are made. Wrong things are said. There's a lot of things mankind was never designed to maintain or to hold on to pressure. So when the pressure comes, what do I got to do? I have to direct it and put it on the word. God, you said that you would lead me and guide me into all truth. You told me this is what is going to happen. So, Lord, I'm expecting you. Put, the, put it back where it needs to be. That's where it needs to go. Let me show you this first. Look at this in Philippians chapter 1. Again, it's a spiritual fight. So we got their spiritual mitts out. You ready to fight? All right, so let's fight. But first of all, look at this here. Whatever happens, say it with me, whatever happens. No, no, say it again. Whatever happens. 
whatever happens. Whatever, whatever happens, keep living your life based on the reality of the gospel. This, I want you to, I want you to just picture our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the commander-in-chief, just as standing before us, and he's kind of saluting us. We're in, we're in the army. Yes, it's a family. God's, God's got a family, but it's also a military word, the church as well. It's not just a, a closeness that we have with the Father. Yes, sons and daughters, that's absolutely true. That's our identity. That's who we are. But you also have to have this military mindset too, that I'm part of this army. And, the, and our king, our commander told us, whatever happens, whatever Come on, say it again. Whatever. Whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ. Again, why? Which reveals him to others. That's what we're here for. I have to give an account to who? To him. He's the only one i got to give an account to. So if I live my life based on the gospel of Christ, my whole focus is again to reveal who he is, how wonderful, how kind, how good he is to other people. That's my, that's my call. He says, then I will come see you or hear good reports of you. I'll know that you stand united in one spirit and one passion, celebrating together as conquerors in the faith of the gospel. So this isn't just for one or two people. This is this church. No matter what happens to you, no matter what they say, no matter who leaves you, no matter who hates you from now on, what do we do? We continue to live our lives based on what? The reality of Christ and the gospel of what he performed for us. And because guess what? you got a family here. you got people that love you in this room. So what do we do? United, standing shoulder to shoulder with one accord. So we know this is how we continue to go forward. They may not like you, but we do. Why? Because we're supposed to. <laughs> Isn't the commandment still to love one another? That's still the command. So regardless of what you may think or whatever you have, our command is still to love you. I love you. All right, now verse 28. And it says, and then, after you keep standing, you will never be shaken or intimidated. Come on, y'all. You will never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition. Who's the opposition? People? No, no, no. The enemy is the principalities, the powers in the unseen world. You'll never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition that rises against us, for your courage will only prove as a sure sign from God of their coming destruction that you have found a new life. It's exactly like that boxing analogy. I just, I love this. I, I really enjoy Rocky. Rocky, Rocky. And so all of a sudden, this guy, I mean, Rocky, he's in this fight. He's in the ring with this big Russian dude. And this guy's just hammering. He's basically an ox in a ring. And he just starts punching and beating him. And all of a sudden, like, he sits in his corner and, like, his old, like, Mickey, hey, man, you got to hit them with the right side and you got to slap them up in the head. You got to keep going like this. Oh, okay, okay. So all of a sudden, Rocky gets out there and he gets punched a few times. And all of a sudden, blood, he looks at the guy, spits the blood on the ground. What does that do to the opposition? Shoot, I gave him my best shot. And that didn't work. What does it do now to the opposition? Oh, man. Shoot, this is not good. The enemy is scared. He's scared. He tried to shut the church down. Didn't work. He'll never shut this thing down. Why? Because Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still the king of this whole thing. So what do we do? 
and we say, what else? What else you got? And for my own, do me nix. It's a Dutch word for, I have no idea, but it's a Dutch word. <laughs> I was told as a kid, every time I got spanked, every time I, whatever, you're supposed to look up and say, doot me nix. Can we all say that together? Doot me nix. Is that, that does me nothing? Is that what that basically means? Does me nothing. It's, it sounds better in Dutch, right? Doot me nix. So all of a sudden, hey, say something nasty about you. Doot me nix. <laughs> there, you got some Dutch out of this today. Well done. Now, look at this next one here, Acts chapter 16. But what I was just explaining in all this is that we don't show or give the devil a glimpse that what he's doing is working. Don't show him with your countenance. Don't show him with your words. Don't show him with your behavior that he's actually got that working on you. Every time he throws on something else, what do we do? Do me next. And then I smile real big. What does that do to him? Oh, shoot, it's not working. This, this pressure, ain't, it's not working. That's all he's got. Listen, this is all he's got. See, when you, when you haven't even thought about the whole political agenda right now, have you? It's not even on there. Don't, don't go back there. It's not worth it. Go vote tomorrow. Make sure you do. That's important. That's our seed. We do it, right? But again, I'm going to stay in this realm. This is where I'm called to be. You're going to put pressure? <laughs> Do it my next, man. And I think the devil speaks Dutch. <laughs> or at least that word he's going to know. He's like, he'll be, he'll be talking to his little stupid demons, and they'll be crawling around going, why does that little church in Red Deer, why do they speak Dutch? I thought it was an English-speaking nation. Yeah, well, we learned one word. It's do Now, so I have maybe a little pent-up childhood that I have to just bring out. But Acts 16, now look at this. Again, this is another example. Verse 22, it says, now this again, Paul and Silas, they were, there was a young girl that had, would come up to them constantly and say, these men are from the Most High God. These men are of the Most High God. These men are of the Most High God. Continually, continually, day and night, they would just come. And like basically the devil's advertising for them. Now you don't want that. And so what happened? Finally, the, one day it kind of came and Paul said, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. Boom, she came out. And now the, the realizers that the people that she was working for, they are, sorry, the girl, she had these couple of bosses, and now they realized that now, hey, the money, because she was a sorcerer, now she's going, I can't, I can't get any more money. So they started a huge riot. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped, to be beaten with wooden rods. Verse 23, they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Now, right here is a perfect opportunity to show the enemy that it worked. God, you just told us to come here. I just, I freed a girl from, from demons, God. Freed them all. And this is the thanks that I get, these stupid, ignorant people that just threw me in. Forget it. Put the demon back in her there. This is just stupid. Could you see the potential for, this is just ridiculous, how I, this is not right. It's a perfect opportunity. Again, what's the whole purpose on this? What did Paul and Silas know? Pressure. 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 You just erupted a whole way that a city operates. Pressure. Pressure. So what did they do? At midnight, Paul and Silas, what were they doing? Praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. It says, suddenly... Say it with me, suddenly. 
I'm thankful and I know God is a God of suddenlies. I believe that even for what we're going into this next season for our nation. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. It reached to the very core of that cell. Oh, God's doing that the same with this nation. He's reaching to the very core of this, of this nation. The very foundations and all of the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Why? They refused to show the enemy that it's working. And instead of, respond, or instead of reacting to the pressure, they responded to what Jesus has done for them. They responded to the goodness of our God. They responded to what his word says. And so again, your voice is your address in the spirit. God's going, where can I send some earthquakes? And I mean godly earthquakes, good ones, not these ones that wreck stuff. Where can I, where can I send my power? Where does stuff need to get changed? Oh, I hear some voice coming over there. Yeah, that prison near in Philippi. Yeah, there's a prison in Philippi. Let's go and let's shake that whole thing. It came out of them. Why? Because again, your voice is an address in the spirit realm. Okay. Lastly now, how do we respond to the pressure of the enemy? This is what I heard the Lord say to me just a couple days ago. Turn up the joy. Turn it up. So number one is this. I'm going to wrap the truth of the word around my heart. Secondly is I'm not going to give the devil anything to make him think that what he's doing is working. Not going to show anything. Squeeze me all you want. Do my nicks. And thirdly now, I'm going to, how do I respond to the pressure? I turn up the joy. Want to say with me, turn it up. I turn it up. Turn up that joy. Listen, my kids have no idea what's going on, and they're having a blast. I look at them and go, man, you guys literally have no idea what's going on out there. Good for you. Good for you. I like that. So I said, I'm going to join you guys. So instead, guess what we did yesterday? We had a little soccer game in the backyard. I stepped on a bunch of crab apples. I threw crab apples at my kids. It was awesome. What do we do? Have fun. Enjoy this life. Julie and I were talking about this this past week, too. we got to enjoy this life. I'm going to give you a couple scriptures. Look at this. Job chapter 5, verse 22. What does the first sentence say? At what? <laughs> He's telling Job this. You're going to laugh. All of a sudden, your house burns down. <laughs> Woo! You know, I heard the Lord say this to me a little while ago. Joel, you're a little too predictable. Meaning this, so if something, you know, something goes wrong, like my kids spill juice, that really irks me because i got a crack in my table and the juice just gets stuck in there and I can't get it out. And I just, whoa, how are you spilling? How do you spill? How do you spill? My wife calms me down and afterwards, just, you're a little too predictable. Anything that goes wrong, you're just, why, what's going on? Why is this taking place? I need to change that predictability. Rather than all of a sudden, oh, oh, there's going to be another, you know, another, Something going to take place now in our, in our nation. Rather than my first response be, what? Are you kidding me? What do they have to say? What's going to happen? I'm going to turn around. I'm going to turn up the joy and just start laughing. Yeah. Say what now? The devil's trying to do what now? <laughs> okay. Turn it up. And look at this. Psalm chapter 5. This is, a, this is the one that the Lord really hit me on. But it says, let all those who take refuge in you. What are we supposed to do? Rejoice. With what? Let them sing joyful praises forever. Why? Because you spread your protection over them. Those that love your name may be filled 
with joy. Let me read it to you. New, uh, the New King James says it like this. But let all those who put their trust in you. What's the response if you trust God? What do we, what do we look like, Christians? We rejoice. We get happy. We get excited. We turn the joy crank up. There it is. Woo! Turn it up. You may have to prime it up a little bit like that little joker in a box. You may have to turn that crank a little bit. But the more you start thinking about the goodness of God, you start thinking about what he's done for you in Jesus and that your future is secure, that thank God that I'm not going to hell, you start turning that crank. What happens? Let all those that put their trust in him, what's our response? Woo! That's our response. That's our response. So rather than reacting to what's going on, we're responding to who we know. Rather than reacting to what we see, we're responding to who we know. Who do we know? We know him. I know in whom I have believed. I know what he's told me. I know my future. I know I have the blood of Jesus on me. I know Psalm 91 is a reality for me, for this church. I know it. So what do we do? We just simply rejoice. Do you feel like rejoicing? Do the circumstances tell you that you should be rejoicing? No, but I don't base my rejoicing, my praise to God, based on what I see. He deserves the praise due to him because he's God Almighty and he's already secured a place for me. So church, rather than you and I being loud on social media, let's be loud in the heavenlies. That's where I sit. That's where I belong. And from that place, this is how I fight my battles. Now you can sing that song. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> you like my moves? I know I got some. I know. I just, that's why my wife married me. And lastly, let me just finish with this. This is something the Lord shared with me a little while ago. He said, Joel, don't forget that Christ cares for his church. Amen. That's Ephesians 5.29. It says, Christ cares for his church. And again, if you read that in context, you find out he's talking about marriage. And the same way that a husband loves his wife. And it says when a husband loves his wife, he takes good care of her, speaks life over her. It says that he's actually doing himself a favor. Right? Because nobody, if we're one, it'd be horrible for me to just put her down with my words, put her down, and then, well, can't you do anything right? Like, I don't like my eggs like that. Like, all of that stuff, I just get rid of it. I just, I speak black. You are, man, you are mighty fine, good looking. That benefits me. I get the kisses, she smooches me. Why is she, if I do that to her, but how much more? All of this, I mean, it's talking about marriage, but it says, I give you a great mystery. This is how Christ is with his church. He cares about his church in Canada. And that's not talking about this physical location, although this building is protected. But he cares about you. You're his church. You're his called out ones. The very ones he spilled his blood for. So don't you think he'd finish this off with us strong? Come on, dude. Is that not the case? Now look at this last ver a couple of verses. Hebrews 13.5. I don't believe I have these on the screen for you guys, but Hebrews 13, 5, listen to this. It says, for God himself, this is what he said. Now, another helpful, again, this is, this is point four that I don't have down there, but we have to become covenant-minded. God is a covenant-making God. He put covenant between you and me, and the man between us is Jesus Christ and his blood. I have a covenant with Almighty God. Sickness is not part of the agreement. It's not part of the covenant. 
So you and I, we will not be sick. Why? It's in the covenant. It's the same way. Jamie and I, we didn't make an agreement with one another. We made a covenant with one another. Everything I have is yours. Everything you got is mine. There's nothing between us. So I don't say, oh, that's mine. Right? No, that's hers. No, no. We have stuff together. Well, how many know God, his healing is mine. He's covenant. So even think this, through all this mess, I have a covenant with Almighty God. And how do I know? I have to know the agreements, know the terms, know the conditions. Right? Don't just, you know, a lot of times you see those pop up on your, your iPhone or whatever. Do you agree to the terms and conditions? You never read them. Why? Because the first of all, the print is like this big. And then you're going, this is just a bunch of useless information. But if you actually went in there, there's some stuff in there. But how do you know? Well, same with the Word of God. Don't just click, oh, yeah, okay, I agree to the terms and conditions. If you don't know it, you can't participate in it. So this is a covenant, and God will not break his covenant for anyone or anything. So that was the last point. Hebrews 13.5, God himself in his covenant has said this, I will not in any way fail you. He says, or give you up, nor leave you without support. And the Amplified goes like this, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Surely not. What is that? That's covenant talk. So no matter what happens, he will not. Say with me. He will not. He will not. He will not not cause me to fail. Look at that. Do you see it right on there? There's a lot. Amplified says a lot in there. He says, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up nor leave you without support, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. His arm is still flexed for you. His arm is still towards you. And he hasn't just drooped it because he's getting kind of tired or just, you know, a little bit annoyed at you. No, 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 no. He's in covenant with you. His strong right hand continues to hold up. I was reading another verse in Isaiah this past week in the Message Bible. It says that God is rolling up his sleeves. He's not done. You know what the enemy does? The enemy talks so stinking much that it causes confusion around the globe. He talks and he talks and he talks. And people go, huh, huh, okay, do this. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. So much confusion. But when the Lord speaks, clarity and simplicity. Whenever there is just so much that you can't figure, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's just, I, I don't get it. It's, it's, I, I, I can't understand it. Look for the enemy. Second Corinthians talks even about that too. That a lot of times, I think verse chapter 11, talks about a lot of the, the enemy that you sometimes don't, don't get away from the Lord where there's such simplicity that's found in Christ. The Lord is simple. The enemy is the one that makes all these things up and now we can try to figure all this stuff out. Keep it simple. Can you say it with me? Keep it simple. Saint. Kiss. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. Saint. Not stupid. Saint. <laughs> and the last verse I want to show you is this. is Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Again, this is covenant talk. This isn't God just saying nice things. When he says this, his words are established in the heavens forever. He said, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my words, they won't. Why? He's a covenant-making God, and you need words with a, co- with a covenant. 
So this is covenant words. Jesus said this just before he left. He said, I am with you all the days, perpetually and on every occasion, to the very close and the consumption of this age. I'm with you. So how do we go forward? Truth wrapped around my heart. How else do we go for responding to pressure? I refuse to let the enemy know or think that this is working. And lastly, turn up the joy. Why? Because I have a covenant with Almighty God. Now, <clears throat> uh, team, would you, Ben, would you like to come up here for a moment? We're going to just sing a little bit. But while they're coming up, I want you to listen. This is some friends of ours went to this meeting in Tampa Bay, Florida, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's meeting on Canada Day. And you may have heard this, but the Lord had a word for Canada. And I want to play it to you. It's about three minutes. I can't get it on the screen. It just wasn't working. So I have it on my iPad. And I want you just, just to listen to the words because God is not done with this nation. Do you believe that? Absolutely, I do. Okay, now here, just listen to this as I... It's for Canada. Thank you for giving us a platform for Canada. This is significant. I know you know it, but I don't think you know how significant. I know it's significant. I don't think I know how significant, but there's something shifting. As we, as we merge our anointings tonight for our nation of Canada, something's going to break. Well, as you were preaching... I started to shake under the power, and I saw the map of Canada. And it was unusual because I saw the hand of God go into the ground. It was like God was just doing this in the ground of Canada. And he said, I'm going to frustrate every plan of the wicked. And even that which they have set up now to be what they think is established, I'm going to flip it on them. And the Lord said, the next 30, 60, and 90 days, there shall be an upheaval in the nation, starting in your government, in your houses of parliament, those that have come against the kingdom of God, God said, I will remove them suddenly. They shall be cut off without a remedy. You cannot touch the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have touched the apple of his eye. And now he shall deal with you. I saw the hand of God go into the land. I saw the Lord said, I shall break up the fallow ground and the word of the Lord shall spring forth and Canada shall be shaken by the hand of God and they shall rise up in every town and every village and even the cities of Canada shall shake under the hand of the Lord and the power of the communistic agenda over Canada is broken by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. Canada, you are not finished. The hand of the Lord is working among you even now. Amen, amen, amen. And I saw ministers that have been slumbering and have been sleeping. I saw them waking up. I saw them shaking off the grave clothes. And I saw public repentance. I saw men of renown that would stand and say, I was wrong. Forgive me. 
God will turn your home ministry around and shall be greater than you ever had before. It was unusual because I never seen anything like it. But as you were preaching, I saw the hand of God. And it was like in, in the roots of Canada, right? In, in the very foundations yeah. of Canada. That's what I saw the foundation shaken of the nation. And God's not finished with Canada. No, I believe it. And the greatest move. Because I know when we traveled across Canada, I felt it. I, I could feel it. I could feel it. There it is. Can we all just stand up together for a moment? I believe that with all my heart, I know you do. So what we do is let's take the word of God for what he said. Rather than what they're saying out there. No, no, no. We have a different vision. The victory that we see is that God's not through with Canada. So I want to just take a moment. I want to pray for our nation. Elections have been happening. I know last weekend was already going on. I voted last weekend. It happened again tomorrow, and actually we opened up our building for the federal election, so people by the thousands are going to be coming into this place to bring their electoral ballot. But you and I, I want to just take a moment just to plead the blood of Jesus over our nation. And not only that, but just to take our stand for it as well. So Father, we just come before you, sir. We believe that you have put your hand into the very foundations of this nation. Lord, your hand is on this nation from sea to sea from the government all the way down to every local government. Father, we thank you that you are moving in it because you have a plan, you have a will, you have a desire for this nation to reach people for you. Father, the church, we stand here on behalf of your kingdom. We stand here as ambassadors for the almighty God. And Lord, we just lift up our voice to you and we say, Canada, wake up in the name of Jesus. We talk to every church. We talk to every leader. We talk to every person in the nation that's from the church. Wake up in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your glory, for going from sea to sea, from British Columbia all the way to Quebec, to Prince Edward Island. Father, all the way into Northwest Territories. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. We plead the blood of Jesus over this nation. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Come on, we just praise him. We just worship you. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. Let all those that put their trust in him rejoice. We trust you, God. We trust in you, Lord.